Hey everyone, welcome back to Ministry Misfits. We are on season two. No clue what episode it is. Yeah, but... which the last, the one that we released this week with uh, Christian Taylor. It, so now you know when we're recording this. When we released that one, you started off by saying, I am positive this is episode eight. Do you know what episode it was? Seven. Seven. No. Yeah. So, uh, oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. I don't know if you can actually hear it. We discovered that you may not actually be able to hear the soundboard, which may be why we haven't gotten any comments about it yet. But yeah, I just, but, but Andrew just, just has a buzzer. So if you That's don't right. hear it, that may be good or bad of not yeah. hearing me getting buzzed. Um, there we go. There I we go. But anyways, we are now in the month of June, so thank you to everyone that became a new patron on Patreon as our May campaign uh, to, to try to continue the support here of Misfits. But again, if you haven't had a chance to, we are still looking for more patrons. That's right. Even the though the uh, even though the campaign is done, Patreon is, is not. not, and neither is the ministry. Yes, and. Um, those of you that haven't already gone checked out, we already have two exclusive episodes up, both Christian Taylor from two weeks ago and Joe Ash Thomas from last week both recorded some extra content for everybody um, that you can access through. I believe it's the $10 level on Patreon. Um, so for $10 a month, you get some extra stuff. We've got other guests coming in that already are planning on doing some, some bonus content as well. We'll maybe at some point do some bonus content since we know you can't get enough of us. That's right. So today, though, you are back, first of all. I'm back. But then you're going to be back gone. Back in black. Yep. Going to the, the wilderness of Alaska. Yes. And I wish I had something like wolf sounds or something. I was going to say right maybe now. like a grizzly, bear. A grizzly I'm ho- bear. I'm hoping to see a, a bald eagle. Yeah. Maybe a moose. We can just do this. Ooh. So, you know. We, you're going to be gone again. So yep. next week, you're going to have a special episode from me and brother Matthew, who finally we are able to arrange to get on. It's going to be a little bit different. You're going to want to definitely check that one out. And you may want to check that one out on video specifically. Um, so that way you're not completely confused as to what is going on. But today, though, Brandon is back. So, yay. Woo, golf clap. Yes. Brandon's back. And we're back to the internet because there's a new problem that has presented itself online. This is not Twitter exclusive. I was going to say old problem coming back to the forefront. This is a very, very old problem. We're going to establish how old it is here in a little bit. But there is a the the new Christian social media trend. And this is a trend that no one actually knows where it came from. And most people most theology minded people have a problem with it but they can't figure out who started it so even this is when we're even the theo bros who we've already talked about normally we don't like to talk about they actually are also trying to correct this correctly and they also don't know where it came <laughs> from this just kind of appeared and it's not just twitter it's happening on facebook it's happening on reddit I've even seen it on Instagram and comments on some places. And just in daily life. Just in daily life in general, this is more common, but not as common for the church normally. True. So we're going to talk 
and I always say it wrong. So, homardiology. There you go. Which is the theology of sin. sin. Woo! This is going to be fun. Stuff. fun. I, th- yes. I thought you might play the crickets one because no one uh, likes to talk about sin, yeah. especially their own sin. Well, I was thinking I had like a drum roll, but I don't. So we just <laughs> left that out. Now, the trend that we're seeing on Twitter and on Facebook and on Reddit and everywhere else, every corner of the Internet right now is that when we're talking about sin, we are talking about sin from a hierarchy standpoint. We're talking a hierarchy of sin, a hierarchy of the punishments of the sins, and even a hierarchy of unforgivable sins. This is nothing new. This is a very old, old, old heresy. But it has gotten new life over the past two, three months, something like that, because you know how our calendars go. And we finally have had enough and are going to just address it right here, right now, and just be done with it. Yeah. So very similar to our math. We need some grace on our pronunciation and Greek and Hebrew. Which, even though I know how to read it, I can barely speak English correctly. So you know how that's going to go. But homardiology is the theology of sin. We already talked about that. Mm -hmm. It comes from the ancient Greek word hamartia, which means a tragic failure or a sinful nature. Or the verb form of it, harmateno, is to miss the mark, which I actually like that one a little bit better. And yeah, we'll, we'll, I like that visual. Right. We're, we're going to explain why here in a little bit. When we actually talk, though, about the word sin, we've got a, a Hebrew word and a Greek word. So the Hebrew word is kata, which is to miss or to go wrong. In the Greek, we already said it, it's the same word in the Greek Bible as it is in just a normal Greek language. And it's hamartano, which is, again, to miss the mark. And this is a very good way to picture what sin actually is. This is an archery type of term. Yep. You know, missing the mark in archery costs you something. Missing them, I mean... For all the minor, but well, unless we're talking warfare, so you know, going Lord of the Rings, the one time Legolas misses his mark and down goes the wall. So, missing the mark is a very, very good representation of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about though the history of what sin actually is first, and where do we start for that, Brandon? All the way at the beginning in Genesis, specifically chapter three, chapter three. So, we all know the story. God makes everything perfect. We've got Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan shows up, disguised as a serpent. God has given them specific instructions to what? To not eat of the forbidden fruit. Specifically, that tree is the... The tree of life. Not tree of life. Or the... uh, Other tree. Why am I forgetting the name of it now? Knowledge of good and evil, good and evil. (laughs) So it's the knowledge of good and evil. You've also got the tree of life that's somewhere in the garden. We don't know if they even know it's there or not, but God, God tells them you cannot eat of that because if you do, you will become like, well, no, if you eat the knowledge of good and evil tree, if you eat from it, you will surely know right from wrong. Die. Okay. A little bit more serious than just knowing right from wrong. Taking Satan's 
twisting of what a little said. bit. Yes. And that's exactly what happens. Satan comes, he finds Eve and he tells Eve, you know, why don't you eat of the fruit? She says, I can't. Cause what did she says? Cause if I touch it, I will die, which already we're off to a bad start. Cause that's not what God says. Mm-hmm. God says, don't eat of it. Potentially Adam may have told her, don't touch it. Or you die just to, Trying to kind of you know don't even look, off, don't even yeah. look at it. We're gonna cut the middleman <laughs> out here. Just don't even look at it, and we'll be fine. And Satan says, "No, you're not going to die. You are just going to become like like God, like God." Yeah. This sounds like a pretty good deal to Eve. Yeah, you get get some food and be more like your creator. And so she eats of it, and not only does she eat of it, she gives it to Adam, and he eats of it. And it says that immediately their eyes were opened and they felt shame. Shame. So prior to this point, we have no shame, which some probably say that about us on here also. <laughs> but in a much bigger picture, we have no shame. And because they have shame over their nakedness, they go and do what? They make a clothing basically of fig leaves yeah they go and sew a bunch of leaves together and now they think that they're covered until they hear god walking in the garden and so they do the thing that they never have done before which is they try to hide somewhere they hide in the bush was it in the bushes or it doesn't really say it just says they try to hide obviously that doesn't work out very well no and when god confronts them adam blames eve eve then blames the serpent And then God, as a response, deals with the serpent first. And we dealt with this during the uh, 12 Days of Misfits because God curses the snake first for allowing himself to be deceived. Mm -hmm. Then he curses Satan. And in that curse, what does he do? What does he promise? See if you can remember back to Christmas. Well, I'm thinking of specifically with like childbearing. That's Eve. Okay, you're talking about for 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 Satan. What does Satan get promised? Um, I thought it was like maybe it's for the snake. Of I just remember like being the belly on the ground. That's the snake. Okay. Satan though is going to have what happened to him eventually. Like I could think of it as being cast in the lake of fire. Well, we're getting to that. <laughs> I was like, I I can't think he, of what. Well, we'll we'll go to Eve. We'll we'll just keep going through with the rest of them, and we'll see if you if it comes to you while we're going through this. I think I've got the three out of the four. He turns to Eve, and Eve is cursed with the pain of childbearing. Pain of childbearing. But in the process of this pain of childbearing, what does he also promise her? I'm just thinking that maybe like the turmoil of the earth. Basically, you're that's Adam. Okay, we're getting there. Yeah, I've got three out of the four. Yeah, (laughs) you're missing the big one. I know. So unfortunately, <laughs> he promises that Satan will be defeated by one of Eve's descendants. Mm. And we know that to be Jesus. Good. <laughs> so God promises Jesus in the midst of this. But before he gets there, he gives out, he dishes out consequences. Jesus is actually a consequence of the sin, but more so for Satan than anybody else. It's a bad consequence for Satan. It's a good consequence for everybody else. Yes. But this is where we get the idea of painful childbearing. You have, um, you know, the fact, even the fact that people, that humans and snakes don't get along very well most of the time can be traced back to here. Yeah. I don't get along you, with snakes. Yeah. I stay away you've from got, it. You've got those. 
Adam is told that he's going to have to now work for the ground before the trees just produced for him. Now he's got to work for it. There's going to be thorns, all this stuff. And ultimately now what happens? They are sinful and death is. Well, they're not, they don't die. What instead happens? God does well, two not, things for them. Well, they don't die immediately. Right. God does two things for them. The first thing that he does. Is he provides for them. Does he? He provides them with new. Clothing? New clothing. And it's not leaves this time. Is it animal skin? It's animal skin. Which means that something had to die because of this sinful act. And then after they are clothed. God kicks them out of his presence because they are now sinful. And because they're now sinful, the world is cursed. Death has entered into the picture. Satan thinks that he's got a good grip on things, even though God already told him it's not going to last forever. Especially when he's he's already got everybody on the earth. He's like, right. My odds are looking good. Yeah. <laughs> so far, he's two for two. So <laughs> he's got he's got more points than you at the moment, That's unfortunately. True. More than Christmas. So these are the consequences that we've got. Broken relationship with God is the big one. Mm -hmm. Broken creation is a result of our actions. Sinful desires now are a part of who we are as humans. Death, that's just a biggie. Death is there. We are unable to enter the kingdom of God. You have the idea of hell. You have the ideas of Lake of Fire. You have the idea of Hades and Gehenna and all these other things. All of these sort of things are now consequences due to the fact that Adam and Eve missed the mark. The mark was perfection, and they missed it. The mark for all of us is perfection, and we miss it. And the one thing we didn't get to talk about yet, I just like looking at the antonym of something, because sometimes that's how we've defined right certain por- certain words uh, throughout misfits here and so what we say the antonym of sin would be holiness right and this is one where it's a little bit different where you you don't have like you know dark is the absence of light mm-hmm. sin is not the absence of holiness yes holiness though is the absence of sin yes and it's it's a very distinct difference you know all the other ones it's like oh well if god is in us then we show, we show. In this case, it's if God is in us, we don't show because we don't have those things anymore. Yeah. It's a completely different concept than the other ones. Um, where do we get those consequences? We find Genesis 3, Romans 1, Romans 6, 23, 1 Corinthians 6, Ephesians 2. Those all are the biggies that deal specifically with these are the consequences for sin. But now we're going to get into just the basics of what sin is. And this is why we're doing this, because this is the stuff. Everybody pretty much agrees with the first half. Mm -hmm. The basic history, everybody would be in agreement with. You can't call yourself a a believer and not understand this. You really can't even call yourself religious, because even within Judaism, you have the same sort of concepts. Even within Islam, you have the same sort of concepts. Within most religions, this is a pretty basic idea yep so we're gonna actually now break down pieces of what sin actually is so the first thing that we are going to point out is all and we do mean all all sin is deservant of death Mm -hmm. that's romans 6 23 wages of sin is death ephesians 2 
you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In addition, all, and again, we mean all, sin is equal in God's eyes because of his holiness, holiness, which is what we were just talking about. This is out of Psalm 5, Isaiah 6, Romans 3, Romans 6. Yeah, so this is really our the heart of our This is where it starts podcast today. Yeah. Right. Again of that equalness in God's eyes, which I which I find it interesting because we're saying we're supposed to be like God. He finds it equal, even though a lot of us And this is the don't is right. going back be. to when we talk truth. We talked about the fact we were doing blanket just statements of this is what it is. We weren't getting into the morality of it. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the opposite of that, where we're talking the morality of it is that all sin is equal in God's eyes because all of it is counter to his holiness. It's missing the mark of perfection. It doesn't mean that the consequences of sin here on earth are not necessarily greater or lesser. Yeah. But that's here on earth because of the fact that we are already imperfect and using imperfect systems to then talk about consequences for actions that miss the mark of perfection. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll get deeper into that as, as we go along here, you know, the, this is the other one all. And again, we mean all, and this is one where before you start screaming at us and turning us off, let us finish all the way through all sin is paid for at the cross. That's 1 Peter 3.18, Romans 6.10, Hebrews 7.27. Christ dies once for all. All sin at that point is taken care of. All sin is paid for. It's done. We'll get to why everybody thinks that's somehow controversial in a minute. Yeah, I was going to say, with working with certain students, I know the one that's always been coming up, especially with the big talk of mental health right now, Mm. is about suicide. Right. And... I found a lot of students and by students, I mean, typically middle schoolers or high schoolers have really wrestled with, okay, my friend or someone committed suicide. What does that look like? Where, where is forgiveness? Where is God in that? And that's something that they sometimes get, get stuck on or one of their. And it comes from the, there are certain denominations that still claim you cannot be saved and commit suicide. Mm Mm-hmm. And that comes from a misinterpretation of the story of Judas. Judas hangs himself and is not able to be restored. But he's not able to be restored because he hangs himself rather than seeking out Jesus. Mm. He does not go to the Savior of the world for forgiveness, even though he betrayed him. Yeah, he He ended it because of his sin trying to end it himself rather than looking for the messiah that is the reason why we have the imageries we do as far as judas's hanging being the final state for him as opposed to going the anonym you've got peter who denies jesus also and he actually denies him three times not just once Mm -hmm. at least publicly (laughs) and in the process but in the but peter goes and seeks out reconciliation with jesus first and then jesus as the messiah also Mm -hmm. and so he is restored three times that's the difference between peter and judas is the reconciliation side of it which we kind of talked about with repentance back when we did the truth talk also yeah now we say all sin is forgivable 
because and this is or this is the the last piece of all sin is forgivable except one. And now this seems to be something that is contrary to what we just said that all sin is paid for. Why? Well, and we'll we'll actually specify before I ask you the question. The sin that is not forgivable is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and it's specific the Holy Spirit. This is what we see out of out of Matthew twelve. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, Jesus had just healed the blind man or he's about to. And this is where Jesus does the big thing of every kingdom divided against itself is head for destruction. You know, a house divided against itself will not stand. They're accusing Jesus of driving out demons because he himself is a demon. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. How can (laughs) Satan drive out Satan? Only God can do this. And then he talks about the fact that Anyone who is not with him is against him. Anyone who does not gather to him scatters. This is a talk for another time, even with the persecution stuff and everything. It says, because of this, I tell you, people will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy. So that is every sin is now forgivable. Every blasphemy is now forgivable, except blasphemy against the spirit, which will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it is forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him this age or in the one to come. And then he goes on to talk about the fact that either you, either the tree is good and the fruit is good, or the tree is bad and the fruit is bad. And the tree is known by its fruit. Fruit. He talks about the mouth of man shows the heart. Mm-hmm. So... Out of this, this is the real definition for blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that is unforgivable. It's blatant and continual warring against the Spirit's convictions towards repentance or kingdom actions. So, Brandon, if Jesus died once for all and all sin is covered at the cross, why does this sin not get forgiven if i'm gonna hopefully answer this correctly um i won't buzz you on this one because okay. this is a little bit harder and this is really the th- this is, this is what ultimately sets you apart from christ it's that denial of what jesus did on the cross but you can deny the son of man jesus True, the Holy Spirit. and it will be forgiven you it's only the spirit We'll give you one more verse to All try right. to help you out. Romans one thirty, In Romans 1, there's a long list of different types of people that will not enter the kingdom of God. And one phrase in particular is the one that we're going to focus on, which is God haters mm. will not enter the kingdom of God. So why, if all sin is forgivable... Can the blasphemy of the spirit not be forgiven? Because there's no room for the spirit to dwell in them. Uh, you're kind of <laughs> getting there. <laughs> All right, give me a hint. Well, so, I guess I already got the hint. Yeah. Just give me the answer now. So here, here's what we've got. The idea that it is not forgivable is much more about the heart of the person than it says about the heart of God. If you are committing blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, 
So this is intentionally trying to mislead the spirit, like we see with Ananias and Sapphira. This is intentionally trying to deceive others from it. This is the idea of intentionally denying the spirit access to you as an individual, mm -hmm. as a person. It will not be forgiven. But that's because there will not be anybody that will actually ask for forgiveness from this. This is a lifelong commitment to being a God hater. Somebody that knows the truth, but is still going to deny it. And I think, I think personally, this is hard to practice or think about for non-believers because right. we, we want to think of, though, that person could be changed. Or I always think of the Saul example where persecuted Christians um, and then became a great leader right. of, of Christianity and of men and women. And so it's like you think about that and you, you see, oh, I hope this person could change. Their heart can change. Something can change. But we're not the ultimate judge of that, which right. is, I guess, the freeing part is that's what sets God apart of being holy. And it puts the responsibility on us to not give up. Yeah. But the the key thing you said there is the, the heart change everything else. The person that blasphemes the spirit will not change their heart. Because if they're blaspheming the spirit, they're already at war with the spirit. And so conviction from the spirit is not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. And if the spirit's conviction will not convict, there's nothing anybody else can do. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break before we get into even more of this. At the moment, I can see in your eyes confusion. <laughs> And, and thinking more. Yes. It will all make sense once we get to the end, but we've got to take a break and listen to Lear Creative Agency first. We'll be right back. Season two of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away, and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website, or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. All right, everybody, welcome back. We have confused Brandon and probably you all with the first half in defining sin. Yeah. Even though it's not as confusing as you guys think, and most of you probably already knew this stuff to begin with. It's just when we actually start breaking the theology down, it gets confusing. 
but hang with us because we're going to clarify all of it at the end. Yep, especially with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit where we just left off. And that's the one that everybody is, that's where a lot of the confusion online is coming, is people are using those phrases without actually ever looking at what they are. So you're not alone there. That's okay. part of why we're doing all of this. I'm just not trying to wield it as a sword. Yes, thank you. We, we appreciate that. How about a lightsaber? There we go. I finally got to use that one. Yay. <laughs> um, I hope you actually heard that. If not, then you're missing out. Um, so we are now going to actually start defining one of these other pieces of it, which is hell. And we are not censoring ourselves because we're not swearing in this yeah, case. Yeah, I thought that this might be one of the first times, well, second times potentially to be able to use that. But yeah, we're, we'll we're not. Later. So when we talk hell, there are actually three words in scripture that are used for it. There's actually, really, you can go with four, but we're going to just stick with three because one of them is kind of the same. So the first one is the Hebrew word, which most people actually have heard and recognize, which is shoal. It actually just refers to the underworld. So this is a mythological idea of the underworld. This is the place that w to which people descend at death. So this is the idea of some have fallen asleep. They've gone to Sheol. Um, this is, you know, the idea of like in Hercules when they break in, which is part of what we're going to get into next, which is the Greek word for that, which mm -hmm. is Hades, mm -hmm. which Hades is both the, the Greek overseer of the underworld. And it's also the place that is considered to be the underworld within Greek. It's the abode for departed spirits. And then you have Gehenna. And this actually is a real place. It's the valley west and south of Jerusalem. But it is also a symbolic name for the final place of punishment of the ungodly. So it's different than just the place that you go after death. This is the place that you go after death if you are not righteous. So the idea within the the kind of the mythology here is that Sheol is the underworld that you go to. The It also can be called Hades if you're using Greek. Mm. Then Gehenna is where after the final resurrection and judgment, because that is actually a part of Hebrew understanding, is that there's going to be a final resurrection, a final judgment. This is what the this is what Mary and Martha refer to when Lazarus dies as I know I'll see him again. Mm -hmm. Gehenna is where you get sent after you have been judged to be unrighteous. And so you are sentenced there. All three of those words, the one that maybe you can use to to as as a way to kind of picture what the modern understanding of hell is would be Gehenna. Most people don't look at it as the idea of Hades because most people can't pull it away from Hercules anymore. <laughs> the Hebrew word for Sheol is still used a lot of times in when reading the Psalms and everything like that. But even with that, it's not really understood to be hell. It's kind of more of a of a halfway house. You know, this is the idea. There are actually some theologians that believe that when you die, you actually still you you basically your soul just rests and you sleep until the trumpet blasts and wakes you up. So, you know, the trumpet blast in Revelation is an alarm clock at that point. Mm -hmm. That is and that's a whole nother thing yeah, that we're not getting we into. But I will tell you that if you 
if you have heard somebody talk about it, don't write them off as crazy because that is actually a secondary issue that does not violate any kind of anything because they still believe that when you that it's going to be instantaneous for us at death. It's just the reality of the world we live in in a temporal timeline. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast, but we'll get maybe we'll get to it eventually. There's a couple of people I know I'm that sure, can yeah, talk we can have it. a whole end time. Well, we already had we, we had that, it in times. This is different. This is different end times. End times yeah. Yes. So. In scripture, the things that we know, part of part of the hard thing with hell is that nobody actually really can say 100 percent sure they know what hell is, what it looks like or what the results of it are. And that's okay. We are okay with all of that. And we'll get to why that's okay here when we wrap everything up at the end. But there's a couple things we know for sure about what hell in terms of the the judgment place is in Scripture. So Revelation 21, it talks about the fact that it's a lake that burns with fire and sulfur, and it is considered the second death. In Matthew 10, 28, it talks about the fact that God is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. In Matthew 25 is where we get the idea of it's an eternal punishment. In Psalm 9, it says that the wicked go down to the realm of the dead and all the nations that forget God. That's actually the word Sheol there. Mm -hmm. And 2 Thessalonians 1 says that they will be punished. They, meaning the ungodly, will be punished with everlasting destruction, and they will be shut out from the presence of the Lord and from his glory. Matthew 13, it's described as a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the language that most people are familiar with. Uh, Matthew 25 again, um, this is the sheep and the goats. He'll say to those on the left, depart from me. You are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Second Peter 2, if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent, sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. And then he continues on. Why do you think he won't do the same? All of that. So, out of that, is there any on there that is surprising to you? Um, I, I, I just think it's probably that just reading through how harsh it is, which I already, <laughs> I already knew it would be. It's not like you're going to paradise. Right, which is literally the point. You're not going to paradise. Yeah. Um. Most of these are the ones that within modern culture are pretty much the understanding of what hell is, right? Yeah, I was going to say maybe the the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Like that one is just very descriptive of yes, of what will be happening for people. Right. So those are the descriptions that we have. Those are the the main ones that we have. We can be 100% sure about three things primarily (laughs) three things that we know for sure about hell we know from revelation 19 that there is a lake of fire that is reserved for the beast and the antichrist that's the capital a antichrist it's also the place where death and hades which we talked about before is the idea of the underworld and everything like that satan Anyone not found the book of life in Revelation, this is out of Revelation 20, they are thrown into the lake of fire. That we know for fact. It's 100% it's there. Mm -hmm. 
Now, we also see that hell, death, the sea, which we were, I was teasing you as as we were about to come back that it was coming. (laughs) And Hades are considered to be waiting areas for judgment. This is out of 2 Peter Peter 2, 4. This is not purgatory. Purgatory is completely different than this idea of there's a halfway point. Hmm. Purgatory is, well, what's purgatory? Let's see if you know. This is medieval history. Yeah, I'm not going to get this. I feel like a concept in my my head, but how do I describe it? Of basically a place where you're at in between going to hell. And it's almost like your waiting place. No, that's what we're saying. Judgment zone. That's what we're saying. We actually, we see as it's described as hell or death or sea or Hades in scripture. Purgatory is the halfway point before being allowed into heaven, not hell. Mm. And it, the idea is you have to work off your debt. Or you have to have somebody back on earth that's willing to pay off your debt to the church. Okay, This is actually how the church financed all of the big buildings that we talked about with Arthur a few weeks back in the live stream. Hmm. It's a whole, there's a lot there. But the idea of purgatory is not something we find in scripture because we know we cannot work off the debt. No. But the idea that there is a a halfway point between dying here on earth and heaven or hell is actually a very biblical idea because we see that hell, death, the sea is actually the way that's referred to in Hades. All of those places are places that release their dead at the, at the trumpet blast and at the resurrection and everything else. So it, this is where the idea of they have fallen asleep comes in. This is why some people actually say the idea that when you die, your soul goes into almost a hibernation until the trumpet blast wakes you back up and you're at in the presence and you don't know the difference. You still think it's instantaneous because God is outside of time. Yeah. All we don't know exactly how that works. We just know that according to second Peter two, four, that there are these waiting areas before judgment. We also though know that there are no, there are no, there's no hierarchy of judgment and that's in revelation 20. Because everybody that is not found in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter why they were not in the book of life. It doesn't matter what they had done previously. All that matters is that if they aren't in the book, they end up in the lake. And this is where the the, uh, part of why we're doing this is, is coming in. There is a large number of people that believe certain sins get greater punishment from God. And this isn't even just in the suicide idea. Yeah. Because the the suicide idea is just that you commit suicide, it's unforgivable because you can't receive repentance because you're dead. And so you automatically are just sentenced to hell. That's different than what we're talking about with this idea. This idea is actually more what we get out of the book Dante's Inferno, the seven levels of hell, you know, because there are the seven deadly sins Mm -hmm. or actually, I think now they've expanded it to eight. Oh, that's great. We're Um, creating. Yeah, I I thought I remember hearing the Vatican added an eighth one and it was due to um, environmental um, inconsistency or something like that. 
which I feel like would still correlate to pride or greed. But right, anyway, it, you can it can, can be wrapped yeah. in, but they're making a a, a, okay. a very distinct push about the morality of taking care of the planet. <laughs> um, that that's their intention behind it. But those ideas actually can be found in scripture, as far as there are seven sins that kind of incorporate every other one. But it's not because they're any greater or worse. It's because of the fact that they typically are the ones that are associated with almost every other sin. I will tell, I will argue full on that all sin actually is just a breaking of the first commandment. And we may have time to get into that today. We'll see. Um, but there is no division for homosexuals in hell that is separate from everybody else. Mm -hmm. There is no division for people that commit murder than anybody else. And here's the big one. There is also no place in hell that is reserved for people that vote pro-abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the hot topic right now. Those, those three specifically are the ones that right now there is a new increase is the way I'll say it of people that are trying to argue that those three sins specifically are unforgivable, first of all, and two, that God has a different judgment for them than somebody that just is like a habitual liar. Yeah, and you mentioned this earlier that <clears throat> typically the conversations have been had outside of the church, but there's also some, going back to the sin, shame and guilt right. within the church, which comes down that, you have an abortion you have sex outside of marriage that shame and guilt seems like it's going to carry on with you the rest of your life and forgiveness right. seems harder is sometimes what is preached within the church right and, it, and it's also a matter you know we talked about this with david waddell well i talked about this with david waddell um you were you were still oh, so, studying yeah. up at this time um you know it's even harder when you are dealing with pastors because for a pastor to try to confess a sin potentially means there goes their career. And in some cases, it very well should be the end of their career. Yeah. In other cases, it being able to actually seek accountability from within the congregation or within the elders and to seek forgiveness and to seek restoration and to, to seek discipleship, because discipleship does work both ways would prevent some of these even more drastic sins that do deserve to be the end of a career. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the idea that all of, you know, the, as we're recording this, I believe to either this afternoon or tomorrow is when the task force report is supposed to come back to the SBC about sex abuse. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that are saying we sh they, that it should not have ever gotten to that point because these pastors have had good ministries. They may have had good ministries, but their ministries would have been even better and would not be now at risk of being called into question if they had been allowed to actually express when sinful desire was coming. Yeah. That, and shame, so, that shame that kicks in and, right. and where accountability is possible because now we live in cancel culture, right. which again, there's times where, like you said, that time to step down from your position but it's that fear of what what am i going to lose instead of being right with god right and in addition to it the the fear now 
is that the lie that they have built based off the pride that they have felt from being able to do this stuff without anyone knowing the pride that they have built up now is going to all have a potential to come crashing down. And this is where going back. Well, I guess we're going to jump right into it. Going back to why I said all sin is in reality, a breaking of commandment. Number one, what's commandment. Number one, make you should no be other, able to get make this no one. other idols. No, that's right? commandment. Number two oh, crap is make none. Number one is have no other gods before me. No so, other gods. Sorry, that's what I was thinking. I yeah, was saying. Yeah, I know. T- idols is number two. Okay. Because that's, that's a, okay. actually making, gotcha, gotcha. don't yeah. craft I was like, anything. I was like, I thought it was no other gods. No, yeah. I said it wrong. Yeah, All you right, said idols. Thank you. So we'll give you, we'll give you the, the, half the point. point. So no other gods before me is, seems like it should be a simple task. But the reality is that if we are in, if we go on sinning and we sin continually, it's because we have not taken number one seriously. Mm-hmm. Because if the goal is to make no other gods before him, if God is the only God in our lives and we are fully focused on him, we're not going to sin. Because sin is about fulfilling the sinful desire and the personal desire and the desires of the flesh. And so as soon as we sin, God has slipped down to at least number two, if not further. Yes. And so all of it is wrapped up in this idea. And even the first sin, that the the first temptation from Satan was what? Oh, no, you won't die. You will have knowledge. You will be oh, like God. Be like God. And this is really where even the heart of the matter of people that are trying to call out certain sins as more sinful than others or say that certain sins deserve a harsher punishment in hell is because of the fact that they want to feel like God. Yeah, that because they're in control and that their own sin is, is not, not as bad. bad. Yeah, Right. Yeah. And so really all of this boils down to where do you what is your actual priority in life this is why the identity stuff is actually such a big thing everybody throws a fit about identity politics and everything else but the reality is that the church's focus should have been on identity politics for a long time because if the church's identity is actually found in christ then we don't have to worry about what Disney is doing Mm -hmm. or what the Republican party is doing or what the Democrats are doing or what the, the Supreme court is doing or what is going on over in Putin's head. Yeah. Cause our identity is not with any of those organizations. Our identity is in Christ. Christ. And so if our identity is in Christ, then our focus is going to be on the community around us. And so regardless of what external circumstances we have, our mission stays the same. And so we're going to we're going to land this theological mind. I don't know if we can call it a plane. It's like, yeah, that's what mul- I mul- Multiple try. geese trying to fly. Yes, in. I need it. I need a uh, I need a plane crash sound here. The, the way we're, we're going to try to summarize this all up as simple as possible. So the first thing is to recognize that sin is a serious issue we all deal with. And that we all deal with it, though a little bit differently. And what we mean by that is that everybody deals with sin in their lives. Everybody deals with temptation in their lives. Everybody deals with removing God from the number one spot. Mm -hmm. 
but what the sin is, what the temptation is, the way that it manifests itself is all different among different people. The good thing about that, though, is that for us as believers, we know how to counter that. Because the spirit gives as he sees fit based off of what? See if you can remember back to when we talked about this a few weeks ago. He gives us, he chooses for the bringing up, building up (laughs) of the kingdom, right? Yes. Well, part of building up the kingdom is in the discipleship and in the reconciliation of the believers. And so if we can trust that God is going to gift us in a way that is going to help us fulfill our ministries, then God is also going to provide us through the spirit with ways to deal with these lustful thoughts, these you know, the ideas of we got to go back to the bottle, the idea of, you know, we've got to shoot up, we've got to shoot up in another way, mm-hmm. all these different things. Even the, this is, we talked about this with Chalmer Williams. We talked about this with Antoine Malone, even the ideas of the, the white supremacy stuff, whether you believe you have it or not, God can deal with your racist heart the same way he can deal with the heart of anybody else. Yeah. And it it only happens, though, if you allow the Spirit to do it, Mm -hmm. which is why, again, going back to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is such a big deal because that is you not allowing the Spirit to do the work that God has for you. It's a serious thing. And it's that complete shutting out. Right. And it's a serious thing because, oh, I missed it differently. Um, All of us are, and, and because even though we all sin differently, The other thing to remember is that all of us are equal under the law. This is what we see all throughout Scripture from Genesis 3 all the way to the end. Is that it doesn't matter what the sin is. All sin is deserving of death. The Mm -hmm. wages of sin is death. You know, on the list in 1 Corinthians and in Romans that list off all these things that then say will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have very serious in our our minds, serious stuff like murder, um, immorality, all these other things. But lying, dishonest, um, disobeying of parents, dishonoring of parents is all in there as well. Mm. And even if we go back to the idea of the sheeps, sheeps and the goats, Jesus tells some people that say, you know, they it says, you know, they people will call out Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Mm -hmm. The sin of just not truly understanding who God is, is enough to get you sentenced. So all of us are just as equally guilty under the law, regardless of what the serious issue we deal with is. The nice thing, here's the happy part. The happy ending after talking about sin and hell is that we know for a fact that Christ's sacrifice was great enough to cover us all outside of the blatant blasphemy of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is not because Christ's sacrifice wasn't sufficient for that. It's because the people that do that don't want it. Yeah. Which completely changes the perspective of would a loving God send someone to hell. True. It's not a matter of being sent. It's a matter of you choosing where you're yeah, going one, to go. wanting to go. Yeah. Or denial. So, you know, and while we don't know specifics behind what hell actually is, these are what we do know. 
and we can be confident in the fact that God is a better judge than us. God takes sin seriously. Mm-hmm. God is a loving and patient God who's slow to anger and abounding in love. That's James 1. Man doesn't get to say what God does. That's Daniel 4. And God's enemies that have deceived mankind are ultimately cast into the fire. And that's Revelation 19 and 20, which ultimately means that Satan gets it in the end. Which is really all that should matter Yeah. in terms of punishment is concerned. And the big thing with this, and this is what the discussion we're going to close out on, and this is a soapbox that I've stood on multiple times. <laughs> All of these things we talked about today is the, is the big reason why we should not be practicing the art of scaring people into heaven. We do not know what each individual person's sin is, no. and we don't need to. Mm-mm. We just know they are sinners and that as sinners, they need reconciliation with God. So your recommendation is just to kind of keep it generic of I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. My recommendation is not to focus so much on the punishment because that's what we like to do. We focus on the punishment or we go the other route and we focus on the reward. Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah, that's our, which our eternal life. Yeah, but not all who say Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. So just saying, Oh, well, if you do this, you're going to enter heaven is not enough. Mm -hmm. There's so much more of discipleship and everything else that has to take place. And we can be confident in that. We're not saying you can't be confident in your, in your salvation. Okay. That's not what we're saying. We're saying though, that the idea of if you do this, then you won't burn forever. Or if, because you have done this, you now have to repent of it or you're going to burn even worse than those that than other people, mm-hmm. which is another tactic that I've heard. Or the idea of, oh, well, if you do this, then you don't have to worry about any of it because, look, you get heaven. All that's doing is, again, breaking commandment number one. What now is before God? Me or my sin. Heaven. Mm. Heaven now has become an idol that is now ahead of God. Or the person's sin is now the the focal point of how they think you think of them. And so even though that's not a violation of commandment one, it definitely does not give the idea that God needs to be the center of your life as a sinner. Yeah. I always think it always just comes back to pride. That's what I always say. Yeah, in my head. It, it's, and that's it's what always, it is. Yeah. Putting self or something else before God. Yeah. And so rather than that, why are we not focusing on what we, you know, the one thing that we focused in on here that we said was the happy ending to the summary that Christ's sacrifice was sufficient for all. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the reason to come to Christ is not to get to heaven or to escape hell. The reason to come to Christ is because you now can be reconciled with your creator. That should be enough. Yeah. It doesn't matter if everything that we just read off on the list of the descriptions of hell is 100% right or not. It doesn't matter if the idea that, you know, hell is an eternal punishment or hell is annihilational, annihilationism matters or not. Those things, if I'm wrong, which I don't think I am, but if I am wrong, it doesn't matter. Because what matters is that I have an opportunity to be reconciled with my creator. Yeah, and I think this was talked about at church probably a few months ago when we were there and discussing about going into the what ifs a little bit of what if your faith was just based on 
only a relationship with Jesus of like longing to be with him or getting to be with him more or knowing him more. And it's hard sometimes to think about, all right, if I just de- deconstruct that to be only, only being in the presence of my creator, how does that change your life each day? Like what's, right. what's that truly look like instead of just, oh, I can do whatever I want because I've got the get out of jail free card. And that's, and that is when I, I thought it was, it's on here somewhere and I can't remember which reference it is. Cause I didn't keep that part in, but that, that is literally a, an actual chapter out yeah, of the Bible. Don't just don't, why, you know, don't do not on continue sinning. on sinning thinking that it's going to be more grace for you. That is not the way to look at it no. because that again is putting you ahead of God in this whole process, you know, and, and, when when we finally are able to come to the idea of whether or not I get to go to heaven in the end, I at least get to experience my savior and the creator of everything. The idea of what Paul talks about with, you know, the thorn in the flesh of, you know, three times I asked for deliverance. He's he's trying to repent of whatever this is and asking for deliverance. And God's message back to him is my grace is sufficient for you. Mm -hmm. That is the kind that that changes the dynamic a little bit, because if it's all about just remaining perfect so that we get to heaven, then that's not a that's not a very comforting answer. No, but if it's I am trying to remain reconciled to my creator because he's God and he deserves this because he's God, not because he's saving me, just because he's God. Then when God says, my grace is sufficient for you, that carries way more impact. Yeah. And so when we when we start to see, or when you start to see, because I'm sure at some point you will, start to see these, these revival of the heresy within sin, within hell. Don't fall victim to the idea that the political idea of morality is what God is using in all of this. Mm -hmm. Instead, we understand that God is holy. We are not. God takes sin seriously. Sin is deserving of death. But luckily for us, death has already been paid for. And that is what ultimately matters. So. Brandon's about to fly off to some unknown land. Alaska, the great frontier. Ah, get used to that sound. Oh, hopefully um, not. So, you know, he's heading off to Alaska. We are going to be back next week. Well, I'm going to be back next week with a special version of the Misfits. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how well this goes. Let us know if you're going to, if you like the format, we're going to give you a link where you can get more of it. If you don't like the fat format, I, I, I wasn't well, my just idea. Take the comment. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my idea. So we do still have Patreon up and running. Yep. The Unfortunately, the Mug Mug promotion is done. No, However, you there, can still get the Mug Mug yep, on our store. There are still different. We got four different levels that you can support the ministry and different resources that we have available. So we've got the $100 level, which you're basically a misfit here. You you get to tell us what to do, and then we decide if we listen to you or not. That's right. Um, yeah, that there basically you makes you an executive producer. Um, it also gets you when we do live streams. If you actually want to be on screen to ask questions yourself, we'll give you a link so you can. Um, I believe we have limited that to four people yeah four or five that we have Um, set up yeah 
but, but if um, we get that great yeah let's if get, not let's get there well. first um then in addition to that there's also though for a much uh if it's an easier to much easier to manage amount each month um there's a 25 dollars level which basically gets you everything except for except for executive producer yeah um there is a 10 dollars level which is what you need to be on to get the um bonus episodes that we've got out with christian taylor and joe ash thomas and then you know eventually brand and i may do some as well we'll see um and then there is a five dollar level as well that gets you into the facebook community that we're going to get started once we hit the number that we need to be able to start it and um you'll get access to some exclusive stuff through that just not as much as some of the other levels yep some of those include t-shirts mugs right. stickers for all of them and again some different exclusive access and so speaking for... of all of the merchandise yes the store is still online the teak fatis go buy the teak fatis we're hoping to be able to do some stuff with Tikva here in the near future, potentially. Yeah. So they, just, they just wrapped up. There. Yeah, they did. We potentially, the actually, day. now that I think about it, potentially maybe even before you hear this episode, we may be doing something with Tikva that I haven't told Brandon about. Now he's looking at me like, what are you talking about? So I'll tell you after we're done. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you for listening. We love the support. I believe we are at the at the moment of recording. We are number one for Christianity and number two in overall religion um, on Good Pods again. So keep that up. Um, we love the yeah, Good get, Pods app. Yeah, You'll us, get that if you haven't. Make sure whatever device you're listening, not device, whatever streaming service you're listening through, they're on devices. Us. They are, but we you don't go on Apple and be like, yeah, five star. So whatever Spotify, we'll <laughs> Apple. Good pause, whatever. Leave us that review, That's good right. or bad. We appreciate it either way. Yes, but we definitely like the good ones better. Yeah. So we we do have a hierarchy here. So uh, anyway, Brandon, enjoy your vacation. Everybody else, you will see me in a very different setup next week. Yep. So we will see you all then. The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash ministrymisfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash ministrymisfits. 